Well, hello there, and welcome back to Seed Stories. We are your hosts, Zeke Greenside and Tom Klinkhammer. On this program, we'll showcase a different seed variety through stories, seed saving techniques, history, and providing unique interviews with passionate seed savers from across the world. And this week's seed is... Siberian Tomatoes A handful of Siberian tomato seeds were brought back to the U.S. in 1989 by Bill McDormand, who founded Seeds Trust Seed Company, now presided by Julia Coffey. And we've got Julia on the phone right now from Denver, Colorado. Hello, Julia. Hey. I was wondering if you could share with our listeners a story on... Sasha's Altai. Yeah, I'd be glad to. It's one of the staple stories of Seeds Trust. So I think everyone by now is familiar with Bill McDorman. He went and got Sasha's Altai from Siberia. He was at this little gathering of seed savers, kind of like a little seed exchange. There was a man that came up to him and offered to give him some tomato seeds. So the man who offered turns around and walks out of the hut and just kind of disappears. Bill asks his interpreter, he's like, um, where, is he coming back? Like, where, where are the seeds? So the interpreter said that that was Sasha. He has some spectacular tomato seeds, but he lives eight miles up into the mountains. So Sasha walked eight hours to his home, grabbed the seeds, turned around, and walked back, and found Bill and gave them to him. So that's, like I said, one of our staple stories, because... Seeds are important, and they they can really foster relationships. So we've taken really good care of Sasha's seed, and um, yeah, just make sure that we make sure people can share and spread the joy in the seed. Without further ado, I'm going to play the interview with Bill McDorman, and he is going to share with you his wonderful adventure going to Siberia and getting the seed. Siberian tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll start it uh, maybe toward the end. Um, I got a call a couple years ago from um, the garden editor at Martha Stewart Living Magazine. And um, they said, what's this deal about Siberian tomatoes? Mm. And I said, what, what do you mean? And they said, well, we just Googled it up, and your name came up on almost every reference. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we want to come and uh, interview you and do a story in, in uh, Martha Stewart Living Magazine. And so long story short, they did. They ended up doing a three-page color um, story in the issue in which Martha Stewart got out of prison. So it was like this <laughs> famous, the prison yeah. issue. Yeah, know, which was sort of, So how did Martha Stewart, why did she want this? And the reason is she went to a restaurant in New York City and they served her Siberian tomatoes. And what, and what Timothy, the garden editor, told me at the time was that what this was the restaurant that first had vine-ripened tomatoes. Remember mm-hmm. when that was the big breakthrough? Yep. It's like we got out of the industrial tomatoes that taste like cream of wheat, and they did vine-ripened. The New York restaurant community went, wow, oh my God, we all have to have these. And then um, they went to heirloom tomatoes. That was the big, and everybody said, oh my God, we have to have heirloom tomatoes. He said... She, this, just this week, she went back, and they have Siberian tomatoes, and they tasted so good. So that's how she got into them. And so, you know, my question back, I had a question back for him. I go, what took you guys 15 or more years? And he's going, what? 
And I said, I went to Siberia in 1989, and it was behind the Iron Curtain. And the reason I went there is that I'd been trying to find varieties of foods that were adapted to my region. And at the time, I lived at 6,000 feet in the mountains of Idaho, and I was looking for cold, short-season things. Mm -hmm. And um, everywhere I went, from the Guatemala to the mountains of France, it was all over. Um, I would find something I really liked. I'd finally get down to getting seeds for them, and those seeds were industrial hybrids from America. Pedo seed, agrogenetics, all these same. This poor little um, uh, stand owner in Guatemala went to his house and came out. He was so proud he was going to share his seeds with me. And he came out, and, and they were fluorescent pink. They were treated seeds from yeah. one of our big agricultural giants. And so I was relating this story to a friend of mine, and he goes, bet they haven't been behind the Iron Curtain. And I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, I'll bet our companies weren't allowed. I'll bet if you go behind the Iron Curtain, you could find old varieties of things. Mm -hmm. And so that sat in me for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I finally got invited to go to Siberia. And this was still the Soviet Union. This was still behind the Iron Curtain. We are the first group uh, from the West allowed in to Siberia. And what I found was a treasure trove. I figured maybe 2 million gardeners, um, almost everybody gardened. And wow. everybody saved their own seeds. Everybody, they still, they, there were no catalogs. They had to. So what do you save the seeds from? Those things you like best. Why do you like it? It's the best flavor. And so I figured two million gardeners, 70 years behind the Iron Curtain, all competing against each other for best flavor. Mm. That was a laboratory for flavor in tomatoes the yeah. world will probably never duplicate. So I, um, I tried to find seeds to, um, I, all I wanted was one tomato. Yeah. I thought if I could bring one back and I asked if I could officially and I got this yet from the, the uh, director of the Institute of Horticulture in Brno. Yet! Yet! <laughs> so every time I ask him it's like just you know yeah. and it's like you need permission from 5,000 miles away from Leningrad to take seeds. I'm going oh and I thought about smuggling some and then I go oh no 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 man this is KGB. What are you thinking? You're in the yeah. Soviet yeah. Union. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Still 89. So, yeah. And so I, uh, I ended up um, getting on the bus to leave. And we were just getting ready to leave. And I heard this knock on the bus window. And I looked down. And there was one of the lab assistants that we had met. They had 22 full-time PhDs working in this uh, horticultural center. And uh, I looked down, and she's looking really nervous, and she's going you know, with her hands, open your window. And it's like those old school bus windows, and I had yeah. to like lower it down, half of it. And I look out, and she pulls this package out from underneath her apron and shoves it up to me. I'm going, what? And I grab this thing, and I put it underneath my seat. And I'm sitting here on the bus going, oh, shit. And I look out the window, and she's gone. And I'm going, oh, no. Wow. And my heart starts beating really fast. Yeah. And I go, I'm going to end up in the gulag. <laughs> this is the end of me. Who was she? Well, she was um, just one of the lab assistants. Okay. And I've maintained her sort of anonymity. Mm -hmm. I befriended her on the walk right, through yeah. the things. And, um, and I had no idea what she'd given me. Mm -hmm. And so I just kept it hidden. And the bus finally moved and we got clear out of there. And as we were about an hour away going back to where we were staying, I finally opened up the package and looked. And there were the trials and testing, notes and seeds for 60 varieties of Siberian tomatoes. Wow. And I, I wonder what she risked, you know, to, to do that. And, but everywhere we went in the Institute, actually everywhere in Siberia, the people had the best and most open hearts and they wanted to share. So I just took it that she just really wanted to share with us. Yeah. And so I ended up walking out of Siberia. You know, I put them in my front pocket when I came back into the United States. And I walked 
in through customs with 60 Siberian tomatoes. And, and I think 24 of those, last time I checked, are still in circulation throughout the world. I got an ad from a newspaper in Tanzania one time with uh, the world's best tomato seeds. Mm -hmm. And it was a story about how this seedsman, Bill McDormand, fought his way behind the Iron Curtain and liberated Siberian tomato <laughs> seeds. Yeah. You know, and they were $5 each. A seed. A seed. Wow. And so that's my favorite seed. Yeah. That's, it. that's why, you know, if you've never, and if you live in a colder northern climate, mm -hmm. this is your thing. These people, you know, this, we're talking Siberia, an area roughly like Edmonton, Alberta, mm. with maybe an 80 to 90 day growing season without frost, somewhat consistent. Mm -hmm. But um, and these guys were on fire to get the earliest and best tasting tomato. So all of them have incredible flavor, and so that that would be my best. So you know my favorites are Sasha's Altai, Galena, Grushovka. Um, those are just some of the ones that that came out mm -hmm. of of that batch. I got a, a, a ribbon. Well, I got a big box in the mail one time when I was running my little seed company. And we were selling the Siberian tomatoes. And I opened it up, and it's this big blue ribbon. And I looked at it, and it's the Iowa State Fair. And I'm going, oh, my God, what is this? And I read the little note, and it said, Galenas, this little yellow cherry from Siberia, mm -hmm. um, you know, this is, uh, Galenas won this ribbon. And I go, this is really cool. And the guy's number, phone number is on there. So I call him up, and I'm talking to him. I go, how cool is that? One of these Siberians won. It doesn't surprise me flavor-wise. But one of the Siberian tomatoes won best tomato at the Iowa State Fair. How cool is that? Yeah. And he goes, Bill, you don't understand. It won best of the fair. Best of everything. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, my God. That's how good they are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's what we're talking about. So if you grow tomatoes and you live in a relatively cold place and you haven't discovered the Siberian tomatoes, they're just superior. And I think they're just reflective of what we're trying to teach in our seed schools is that we have the power collectively to create the best. And all we have to do is save our own seeds wherever we are for those things that we really like. And so the Siberians happen to be locked out of this industrial storm, we call it, at seed school, you know, where we all bought our seeds from somebody else. They came from laboratories or big companies, you know. And take that process back where we save our own seeds from the things we grow and only save from what we want. And if we do that, then we can all end up as successful as uh, the Siberians. We've been speaking with Bill McDormand, co-founder of the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance. Bill has been a huge inspiration to myself and so many other seed men and women out there. I took a seed school back in 2012 and was instantly hooked into this wonderful world of seed saving that Bill paints so eloquently with his stories and convictions. And now Bill continues talking about the seed industry and the seed school they offer. Um, as the seed industry has gotten so large, you know, all the diversity just got forgotten about, a lot of it, eaten or thrown away or just forgotten. And so we're sort of this regional seed solution model, mm -hmm. in a sense, just by happenstance, just by the good graces. It's self-organized, non-profit, non-governmental, right. you know, sort of problem solving. And so we're, we've solved a, solved a lot of problems, but we're still making mistakes. And so what we thought we should do now is teach everybody what we've done wrong. <laughs> so you guys don't, so people out there don't have to do that. Right. So that's sort of the idea behind Seed School. What, we just want to come share what we've learned about what to do and what not to do. Mm -hmm. You get some really good deep history 
about that at seed school as well as then the practical on how you grow save clean harvest and then get your seeds back out either through a new small little seed company or seed library or seed exchange so we need these things everywhere the whole continent needs to wake up right away i think that's our call and we just want to share with you what we've learned well thank you bill for talking with us yeah thank you and i'm so proud of what you guys are doing and uh uh, again, however we can help. Bill McDormand, what a great storyteller. I love his passion for sharing seed saver insight. Hey Zeke, I have a question. I live in Minnesota and I'm interested in learning more about seed saving and adaptation of seeds. Where can I find more information? Well, Tom, you're in luck because here at North Circle Seeds, we provide educational workshops on basic and advanced seed saving techniques. You could find more information on the North Circle Seeds website. Okay, well, I got one more question. How does one go about adapting a seed variety from one country to another with a different growing season? That's actually been happening all over the world for millennia. As Bill was saying, the Siberian tomatoes were selected from year to year by families for what worked in their climate. You'd expect that the climate in Russia has a short growing season, similar to us here in northern Minnesota. Tomatoes don't originally come from Italy or Russia or anywhere in the Old World. The origin of tomatoes is deep in South America. These Siberian tomatoes have crossed thousands of miles greeting new growers along the way. Perhaps the great botanist, geneticist, and explorer Nikolai Vavilov picks them up on his expedition to Mexico and brought them back to Russia in the early 1900s. Or perhaps they got there some other way. After an undetermined amount of time, a crop may become adapted to its new climate and seeds can be selected from the fruits with the best flavor or yield. Could you describe what you mean by selection? Well, selection's the process a seed saver goes through when intentionally choosing desirable plant genetics to continue to the next year. Whether we use our senses or highly sophisticated machines, or whether we realize it or not, we are always selecting when we are seed saving. So I like to say all seed savers are plant breeders. Well, that'll do it for this episode. We're your hosts, Zeke Greenside and Tom Klinkhammer. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember folks, it all starts with a seed.